Welcome to Fringe with Benefits podcast, episode 85. I'm Stacy, your favorite, favoritist, naked and afraid legend. Just kidding. I'm not really anyone's favorite. I've heard a few people have rooted for me above all others solely on my authenticity, but it's extremely rare. You see, if you are rooting for me, you're rooting for the underdog. But maybe, maybe, just maybe, someday I will be one of your favorite podcast hosts. My only job here is to come to you to scramble your brain on all things anomalous, peculiar, weird, and abnormal. Now let's party. Stacy's Socials is a segment in which we talk about all the things I see on my socials that I think are weird and that I need to talk about. So the first thing is a Las Vegas judge, mother of three, supposedly killed herself after leaving her position to avoid some sort of complicated ethics probe that began over whether or not she um, said there was an attempt to save her daughter from prostitution. So this is deep, right? Melanie Andres Tobiasen, 53, stepped down as a justice of the peace before a hearing regarding her ethics investigation. The outlet did not provide details about how she died. The judge charged that pimps were targeting the daughters of judges and law enforcement to recruit them into prostitution. She was being investigated by Nevada's Judicial Discipline Commission for almost two years before she agreed to resign in 2021. So her problems all began when her daughter, who was only 16, 16 years old, started working at this clothing store. The judge claimed that this was a front for criminal activities and tried to stop her daughter from working at this clothing store. She reported this issue to the police, so she cried out for help from the police. She said the store, it was called Top Notch, was involved with prostitution and trying to recruit young women, young girls, into prostitution. And then she called out these Las Vegas cops for ignoring this information about this alleged sex trafficking at the store. And then she claimed that the store was an unlicensed underage nightclub and added that she was terrified of the owner or the manager who ran the store at the time. His name's Shane Valentine. When the reporters reached out to her daughter, Sarah, who's now 23, this girl hung up on him. Who knows? She's probably still working for these people. This judge, Judge Melanie, we'll call her, went to the FBI with this information after being ignored by the local police. This resulted in officers investigating her for allegedly breaching judicial rules by by making an allegation to federal agents. A complaint filed against her alleged that she failed to comply with and uphold the law and allowed family interests and relations to influence her conduct. Okay, so the concern about her daughter being possibly trafficked underage mind you, and because she went to her local police and they ignored her, and so she went to the FBI, now she's in trouble. So there's that. So Judge Judge uh, Melanie asked the cops to look into this Valentine fella, but she said they ignored her claims, and then Valentine was later linked to a shooting where the, a couple was found dead. But they did not officially link him to the killings of Sydney Land, 21, and Nahima Neo Kaufman, 20, until months later. Melanie contacted Land's mother, Land's mother and began personally investigate the case because she thought that Valentine was responsible. She supposedly used burner phones to contact this Sydney Land's mom and sent texts to another woman she thought that was involved in the murder. So she's doing this investigation because the police are not doing it, right? 
The, this commission alleged that Judge Melanie stated publicly that she reached out to Valentine's lawyer at the time and told him to tell Valentine that if he called her daughter again, she would take care of it herself. And that one time she went to Shane Valentine's house and kicked in the door. So this is a really distraught mom. Detectives learned of her activity according to the charges and launched an investigation into her as a judge, going far as tracking her phone records. They also alleged that she had links to a man called Anthony Dan Dana, Dana, who was a known and documented organized crime figure. She probably was reaching out for help from some mob boss. Who knows? A mother who is trying to protect her kids are going to be all over the place. So Melanie, Judge Melanie, lived with her husband, Todd, in a $2 million mansion with a pool at the time of her death. She, she died of a gunshot wound, basically. Okay, so my thoughts, she didn't kill herself. Let's look into this other article about her. So Clark County Coroner's Office confirmed that Melanie Andres Tobiasen, 55, died from a gunshot wound. Coroner ruled the death a suicide. No other information is immediately re released about the death. Her final years at a, as a Las Vegas Justice of the Peace were overshadowed by allegations she had become improperly enmeshed in a double, double murder investigation. Her death comes weeks after her divorce from her husband. And he declined to comment about her death. She had stepped down from the bench in May 2021 after reaching an agreement with the Nevada Commission on Judicial Discipline. As part of that deal, she would neither seek nor accept judicial office in the state any time in the future. So she lost her job. She said, I had been vilified, lied about, and accused of wrongdoing when in fact what I did was appropriate and should be applauded. She told the Review Journal at the time. She said, I'm resigning because they have terrorized and lied about me for three years. The Commission on Judicial Discipline had leveled sweeping accusations against her, saying she allowed family interests to influence her conduct. According to the Commission, she had urged vice detectives in 2015 to investigate the Shane Valentine. She was accusing him trying to lure her teenage daughter into prostitution. Valentine, a felon, was named a person of interest in these killings, and she personally investigated a ca the case just like we talked about. Um, Shane Valentine was never charged in connection with any of the sh shootings, and no arrests had ever been made in that case. Melanie, Judge Melanie, was never found that she had committed any crimes. She was first appointed to the bench in 2009 and became a li licensed in January 1993 to practice law in Nevada. This is tragic. This poor woman was trying to protect her kid, trying to call out for help, for help. And then because, you know, she's got some drama with her kid and some cronies in Vegas of all places. I'm sure there's some really dangerous, wealthy and connected people there. She got into trouble and lost her job and now found dead. She killed herself. Do you think she killed herself or do you think this was, you know, suicided? A suicided situation who knows okay let's talk about 11 labs this is a company that has allowed people to clone almost any voice within minutes and then you could feed that voice into a text block that will be pronounced performed by this AI voice the 11 labs voice synthesis model is so advanced that it reads and pronounces written text in a way that it's almost indiscernible from human performance the writer of this article tested it out. He said, he said that it was only about five bucks with a seven-day trial, a free seven-day trial. And he, boom, right like that, he had an MP3 of his clone voice. 
There are all sorts of robotic systems or automation systems that can benefit from this technology, of course, and content creators who have very limited budgets can use these AI voices to generate narration, audiobooks, automated news reading utilities, and so much more. There are a, lo a lot of implications for visually impaired people too, but at the same time, like any technology, this can be used with malicious intent. With nothing more than a one-minute sample of a person's voice, almost anyone can use Eleven Labs technology to clone their voice and have it produce convincing audio performance of any text block entered into the system. This means from this day forward, we can no longer trust what we hear to be authentic. We live in a world with fake news, rigged elections, fake vaccine science, fake currency, fake genders, fake history, fake bots producing fake likes on Facebook. This is all a quote from the, the article writer. And I see the article attached below. And everything that enters our consciousness in society today is altered or rigged in some way or inauthentic. Okay? The voice synthesis engine means that we now have to be extra careful same with the deep, deep fakes, right? Same with holograms. Everything is suspect. And what kind of world are we living in that this is a reality now? Next is a Florida physician calls for a second holocaust for unvaccinated. Dr. Daniel B. Case, a complaint alleges, harassed and bullied other employees at a Sarasota Memorial Hospital in Florida over their vaccine status. One of them had a direct altercation with Dr. Case, who suggested medical fascism as a solution to freedom of choice. So we're going back to 2021 at Sarasota Memorial Hospital. A worker filed a complaint with the hospital head, Lori Lang, about a negative encounter with Dr. Case, who interrogated this individual about whether or not he had taken the mRNA. This person answered no. And then Dr. Case said, are you going to get vaccinated? Biden made it mandatory last night. And, he's, and he responded with, no, I'm not. And then he asked, why not? You can get it terminated. And he replied, because that's my freedom of choice. Then Dr. Case allegedly responded to the colleague by saying that this person and all other unvaccinated people are the reason why people are dying and why COVID is spreading. How many of us heard this bullshit from so many people? I mean, I heard it from lots of people that I was being irresponsible and negligent and not, you know, not, not caring about my family members or society. I knew it was a bunch of crap. And here we are. So this person responded to this doctor, said, really? You're really saying this stuff? And then he responded, when you guys get fired, we'll have a party and Darwinism will do its work. How many times have we heard that Darwinism is going to do its work? Then he goes on, or he responds, the per, you know, the complainant responds, that sounds kind of fascist of you to say such a thing. Are you a fascist? And then he said, see, that's why they should take you guys to the firing line. Hmm. Under the leadership of Dr. Jonathan Hofberger, the facility's chief of staff, Sarasota Memorial Hospital is apparently ground zero for medical fascism in the Tampa Bay area. A number of nurses at the hospital say that higher-ups compiled lists bearing the names of all unvaccinated staff who are subjected to re-education session. Hmm, very reminiscent to reprogram the reprogramming of people in Nazi Germany. They also ordered all unvaccinated workers to wear the equivalent of yellow star armbands. That means they had to isolate during meal times to avoid infecting vaccinated with COVID germs. 
and they created a color-coded stick system to mark on the employee batches, badges who was vaccinated or who wasn't. We are told that the sticker system was never actually implemented, but they thought of it, didn't they? Nuts. Okay, so personal story. I'm not going to share anybody's name or anything, but I, I have a friend who was terminated from Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife, who I used to work with, and luckily I don't work with them anymore. I wouldn't. I would have lost my job in 2021, but she decided to let them terminate her because she wasn't going to get the vaccine. And she got an attorney. And this year, or last year, she sued the state of Washington Fish and Wildlife Department for wrongful termination. And they gave her, not only did they reinstate her in her job, they gave her like a year and a half of lost wages, plus all of her retirement benefits or credits for that time lost. Of course, she's not going to go back to work for them, but that was a huge victory. So anybody who has lost their job due to this, get an attorney, make them pay for that. It's totally, totally wrong. Okay, next, I haven't talked about this Ohio train derailment. I've been keeping an eye on it on top of all the other strange explosions and derailments that have been happening alongside of this. Let's talk about these scary symptoms that Ohio residents are experiencing or some crazy shit that's going on. So five days after the train derailed in East Palestine, Ohio, prompting crews to burn the toxic chemicals... In hopes of avoiding an explosion, they evacuated resi residents were told it was safe to return home five days after. Since then, many residents have expressed fears about the ramifications on their health, and reports have been flooding in detailing concerned symptoms many of those in the area are experiencing, as well as the effects on wildlife. Authorities initially warned that burning the vinyl chloride found in some of the derailed cars would emit toxic gas phosgene and hydrogen chloride into the air. They later said that the air monitoring had shown the levels both within and outside the evacuation zone were not dangerous. East Palestine Fire Chief Keith Drabic said that the water and air samples taken from the area revealed that it was safe. I even saw a video of some community leaders drinking tap water from somebody's kitchen. They didn't look too sure about what they were doing. I mean, if you could find the video, check out the look on their faces because <laughs> They don't really trust it. You can tell. You can sense that. But many of the area residents are saying that the reality is much different than what they're saying. One family who lives outside of the designated danger of death zone has been experiencing symptoms including coughing up blood, and they decided to flee their home to protect their health. What about those people that can't leave? So now people are fearing they're going to develop cancer in the years to come because there's the presence of at least two carcinogens in the huge black cloud that engulfed their property after the derailment. Nathan and Kelly Isatik reported finding dead fish in the creek running through their property, covered in toxic blue film. The sound of squirrels and birds on their property disappeared. The family dog became lethargic, started throwing up. They experienced burning nose and lips, severe headaches, chest congestion, sore throats within tw 24 hours, and Nathan said, the day after the derailment, I started having symptoms, almost like COVID symptoms. Someone was pushing down on my chest. I had, it was very strong pressure. Throughout the day, it started getting severe. I had a very bad cough, very bad feeling in my lungs and throat. And the following day, it got worse. Kelly, who is a chemical lab technician, said, 
you have all these chemicals that reacted when they hit each other, they reacted when they heated up, and then they reacted again from the rain. She said, when it heats up, it turns to chloride. When it rains, it turns to acid. There can be tens of thousands of compounds that this is turned into, and you just don't know what you're dealing with. They bought the property with intention of living there forever, but now they think that the land is never going to recover. This is terribly sad. The main chemical of concern here is the dioxins. They were created by the vinyl chloride combustion process and are in the area's air, water, soil, and people's homes. They are expected to make their way into crops and livestock that people are eating. They move easily through the environment and were likely deposited on surrounding agricultural land as well. These chemicals are known carcinogens and endocrine disruptors. State officials admitted yesterday that the derailment may have killed more than 43,000 amphibians, crustaceans, fish, and other aquatic animals. Some residents have reported finding dead roosters, rabbits, and foxes, and animals like pigs becoming ill with strange symptoms. In addition to the dioxins, there are also concerns about the presence of toxic PFAs from firefighting foam at the crash site. That can also contaminate soil and water and does not break down in the environment. We're, what we're hearing is just the beginning. The effects of this disaster can impact people for generations to come. And when they say that, they are not joking. This will affect people for generations. Next, we're going to visit Dr. Meryl Nass. She's doing some really great work, man. You should subscribe to her Substack. She talks about that Congressman Thomas Massey gave a speech explaining the reasons the vaccine mandate against healthcare workers must end. So he said, I rise in support of this resolution because it would facilitate the passage of H.R. 497, the Freedom of Healthcare Workers Act. What does that bill do? It ends the unscientific, illogical, immoral, unconstitutional, unethical vaccine mandate on healthcare workers that is predicated on lies. The five predicates for the mandate that turned out to be lies are the vaccine prevents the spread. The vaccines don't cause harm. The mandates are scientific. Natural immunity should be ignored. Nobody's liable for the damage the mandate can cause. And as he put it, we're living under medical malpractice martial law right now under the PREP Act and the EUAs. And he dropped the ultimate truth bomb. He says, this is the epitome of hypocrisy. Nobody in this room was mandated to take a vaccine and we're voting on whether we're going to force people who want to take care of people, whether they have to take the vaccine big deal okay and then last on stacy's socials list is this awesome new bill called bill 154 presented by the house in idaho house rep judy boyle of midvale and senator tammy nichols of middleton are going to make it a crime to give the covid vaccine in idaho February 15th, Nichols presented it before the House Health and Welfare Committee, and it, according to the bill text, it says, quote, a person may not provide or administer a vaccine developed using messenger ribonucleic acid technology for use in an individual or any other mammal in the state. The defendant would face a misdemeanor charge if they do that. Upon addressing the committee, Nichols stated, we have issues. That was, it was fast-tracked. And according to Nichols, the mRNA vaccines are not subject to liability, informed consent, or data. She explained that she was referring to the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccinations. We've seen a lot of harm caused by those. She said, I think there's a lot of information that comes out with concerns to blood clots and heart issues. That's not it. Neurological things, too. Representative Ilana Rubel, a Democrat from Boise, surprise, surprise, disputed her claim that vaccines were expedited. She said... 
that to the best of her knowledge, vaccines had undergone testing. Well, that's what they all say, right, Alana? And that they'd been approved and given FDA approval. No, they actually didn't. The ones they're still giving people have not been given FDA approval. They gave FDA approval to a product that has not hit the market yet, at least from what my understanding was through all this. And I've probably looked at this issue a lot more than you have, Representative Alana Rubel. Um, Nichols went on to say it may not have been done like we thought it should have been done. Exactly. There are other shots we could utilize that don't have mRNA in it. And then a recent tweet, Elon Musk even said that after he took his second booster, he had major side effects saying he felt like he was going to die. This bill, prior to moving onto the House floor for discussion, must first pass a hearing and subsequent committee vote. I don't know if it's going to pass. I pray that it does because we need some reprimation. Reprimation? Is that a good word? <laughs> we need somebody to answer for all these injuries. That's what we need. Now it's the time for business. This is basically where I come and tell you, hey, share the show. If you know a friend that would like some of these crazy stories or like to keep on top of what's going on in the conspiracy world, share it with your friend. Shoot them a text. Share it to their page. Send it to their private messenger if you're too much of a coward to share it publicly. However you do it, just share it. If you think they're going to like it, Shoot, if you think that they're not going to like it, maybe share it because then I might get some spicy emails. Also, if you've been listening to the show, give me a review. Five stars, preferably. If you give me one star, that's not cool. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> write a review. Give me, uh, give me a rating. That'd be cool. Follow me on all the socials. They are linked in the show notes. You can find me pretty much everywhere. In fact, so many places that I could barely manage my own dang social media. I'm going to have to hire an assistant just for my social media. And then also join me on the Fringe with Benefits Telegram channel. There is an invite link below. And Patreon. I'm over there. There's a link over there too. And then please go visit InwardSurvival.com. I don't think I have my donation link hooked up anymore. In fact, I have to fix a couple things over there. And, you know, it needs some maintenance. Like, I'm sure that it's not being seen on Google as often because I'm not maintaining my own website. I am learning a lot about this because I have a professional website on top of this website. And so, of course, I've been pushing the professional one a little bit more than the nonprofit but I'm learning a lot over there and I'm going to bring it over to Inward Survival. So at least go give it a you know, check it out. I have a few blogs over there. I've got some t-shirts for sale. There's some stuff over there. And if you could just go join the mailing list, that'd be badass. So we have a mailbag here at Fringe with Benefits. And you can send me your mail at fringewithbenefits at protonmail.com. There's no spaces. It's all one word. If you have any crazy stories to share, be it ghost stories, crazy stories about, uh, fuck, whatever, whatever, it's welcome. And if you are interested in being interviewed, you've got some stuff to say on the podcast, feel free to email me, fringewithbenefits at protonmail.com. Our mailbag this week is so okay the title of this episode's podcast is i'll take a gold coin if you listen to the confessionals podcast 
he does a reload of, I think it's Zach King, who is the high wizard, high, I think it's a highest magician or whatever for um, the satanic church. You got to listen to that interview. It's insane. And he mentions the Order of the Temple of the East, which is Ordo Templi Orientis. It's an occult initiatory organization that was founded at the beginning of the 20th century. It's also called Oto, and it can be traced back to the German-speaking occultist Karl Kellner, Heinrich Klein, Franz Hartmann, and Theodore Roos. And they were significantly shaped later on by occultist Aleister Crowley. After his death in 1947, the four main branches of Oto have claimed exclusive descent from the original organization and primacy over the others. And the most important and visible of these is the Caliphate Oto, incorporated by Crowley student Grady McCurtry. Now you can go down some rabbit holes about these organizations. And it's pretty bizarre and highly fascinating. And they really only tell us what they want us to know. And that's what we've really got to see it. See the forest for the trees, right? So originally it was intended to be modeled after and associated with European Freemason Freemasonry, such as the Masonic Templar organizations. But under the leadership of Aleister Crowley, Oto was reorganized around his Thelema as a central religious principle. Now the word Thelema is the noun from will and the verb to will, wish, or want a purpose. This begins with the Book of the Law, which bears the official name Liber al Vel Legis. I think that's correct. It was written in Cairo, Egypt during his honeymoon with his wife, Rose Crowley. And this book contains three chapters, each of which he had written exactly in one hour, he says, and this is pretty significant because he says he began at noon on April 8th, 9th, and April 10th, 1904. He wrote that he took dictation from an entity named Iwas, who he later identified as his own holy guardian angel. He said that he no forger could have prepared so complex a set of numerical and literal puzzles, and that the study of the text would dispel all doubts about the method of how this book was obtained. Now, the adherents of Thelema should seek out and follow their true path to determine their true will. So we've always heard, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. That's the main premise. And next is every man and every woman is a star in reference to the body of light. Lucifer, he was, means light, right? The reference to the body of light was said by Plato to be composed of the same substance as the stars and that person doing their wills are thereby like stars in the universe occupying a time and position in space, yet distinctly individual and having an independent nature largely without undue conflict with other stars. And last, the third tenet, love is the law, love under will. The nature of the law of Thelema is love, but love itself is subsidiary to finding and manifesting one's authentic purpose or mission. So it seems pretty selfish that one's will would supersede love. Now, Oto membership is based on an initiatory system with a series of degree ceremonies, and they use ritual drama, much like other secret societies. 
In his confessions, Crowley writes, The Oto is in position of one supreme secret. The whole of its system is directed towards communicating to its members by progressively plain hints. This all-important instruction. Of the first set of initiations, he writes, The main objects of the instruction are two. It is firstly necessary to explain the universe and the relationship of human life therewith. Secondly, to instruct every man and woman how to best adopt his or her life to the cosmos and develop his faculties to the utmost advantage. I accordingly constructed a series of rituals, Minervil, Man, Magician, Master Magician, Perfect Magician, and Perfect Initiate, which should illustrate the course of human life in its largest philosophical aspect. The initiation rituals after the fifth degree are such that... The candidate is instructed in the value of discretion, loyalty, independence, truthfulness, courage, self-control, indifference to circumstance, and impartiality, skepticism, as well as other virtues, and assist him to discover for himself the nature of the supreme secret, the proper object of its employment, and the best means for ensuring success for its use. He states that the entire system of Oto offers a rational basis for universal brotherhood and for universal religion, puts forward a scientific statement, which is a summary of all that is present known about the universe by means of a simple yet sublime symbolism artistically arranged, and it enables each man to discover for himself his personal destiny. It indicates the moral and intellectual qualities which he requires in order to fulfill it freely and puts in his hands an unimaginably powerful weapon that he may use to develop in himself every faculty in which he may need in his work. There are 13 degrees and 12 un well there's 13 numbered degrees and 12 unnumbered degrees which are divided into three grades or triads. We got the hermit, the lover and the man of earth. Admittance to each degree involves initiation and swearing of an oath. And advancement through the man of earth triad requires sponsorship from ranking members. Advancement into the degree of the night of the east and west and beyond requires one to be invited. The ultimate goal in Oto is to instruct the individual by allegory and symbol in the profound mysteries of nature and thereby assist each to discover his or her own true identity. So if you want to get into this, there's a whole lot out there, but it's, it's very vague. It's written very superficially. And there's a lot of information out there and there's a lot of organizations that are very, very similar to this. So kind of what I was able to draw from it was that information regarding this organization goes on and on. But what's lacking is its current, its current members. It talks a lot about the people in the early 20th century who were involved, maybe like three or four, but doesn't go any further than that. And there's this huge element of great privacy and discretion of its members and what they are practicing. There's also a deep similarity between Gnostic rituals and that of Catholicism. So what they practice is Gnosticism, but it's very, very close to Catholicism. So my questions are, and if anyone out there knows, what are the inner teachings? And what kind of power does their symbolism and how they set up their symbolism, what kind of power does that contain? And what's inside of the Vatican vault? The occultism, the secret knowledge, what are they hiding from the rest of us? What kind of knowledge do they 
Soli have that makes him so powerful? And, and why is it not available to everyone else? And who are these high wizards and, and what do they have to do to get there? Now, if you listen to that interview with Zach, it's going to shock you. I am leaking some videos below that will give you an insight into why I'm so fascinated with this and why people are saying what they're saying. There is a, a 1912 silent film called Kabiria that was filmed in Italy. Just go to the Wikipedia link and check it out and you can find clips of this. Some speculate that there is a true-to-life child sacrifice in that video. I don't know if it's staged. I don't know if it's all acting. I don't know if it's just produced like a regular movie or if, if they are really sacrificing little kids to Moloch. That's what's so crazy. Um, there is also a website by Ella Cruz. She wrote a book called Ring of the Cabal. And it goes pretty deep into, you know, what, what they're doing with children. Um, I'm also linking a video of the Hampstead kids. This is Alicia Damon. And she has a little brother named Gabriel. And her mom has lost them because of the claims that she made. She had these kids go to the police to tell them what their father was doing with them but it resulted in the loss of custody. And I do know that there is a cartel with Child Protective Services in which if the mother claims abuse by the father, and this can include physical, sexual, anything, you name it, that they're less likely to be awarded custody. And if the father claims parental alienation by the mother, that goes up to 50%. 50% chance that that mom who's out crying because of abuse towards either herself or her kids or both may lose her child to the abuser. And we've talked about this before here. And I think this is something that really, really um, needs to get our attention, everybody's attention. So once again, send me your mail, fringewithbenefits at protonmail.com. Welcome back to Fringe with Benefits. I'm here with Luke and Jacob from Never Inside. They've got a badass podcast, and we're finally getting to know each other. Uh, introduce yourselves, fellas. Hey, Stacy. Luke here, and uh, Jacob, aka, AKA Pound Sign. Pound Sign. <laughs> Pound Sign. <laughs> it's very important. Uh, yeah, and we're with the Never Inside Theory. That's our podcast, and we, th I guess, we decided we'd we'd uh, double up today and and record a podcast for each of our shows. 
We are uh, on our 86th podcast. No, no, we're not. I'm kidding. We're, we're on, on our, our third podcast. Fourth. And you're on your 85th podcast. 80-something. 80-something, yeah. So I listened to a couple episodes of your podcast just to get a feel for, for what it is and who you are and stuff like that. Um, also, I, I did listen to the podcast that you were on uh, w- with Mike Glover, I believe his name is... Uh, uh, oh, Greg Anderson. Is it Greg Anderson? Yeah, Mike Glover was on the podcast he recorded with him before me. So he was on his podcast. I, I, <laughs> My boyfriend was super starstruck when he was like, oh, man, you were interviewed by the guy who interviewed Mike Glover. So, <laughs> no, it's, it's Greg Anderson. He's that Seattle cop who was fired for um, oh. talking to other law enforcement. He went viral saying stop stop enforcing these these mandates at close closures of the businesses and stuff okay yeah yeah okay so i got that mixed up so uh, somehow i mike glover was was in the mix somewhere and then i heard him on joe rogan so i got it all mixed up and and anyway um what was the name of that that podcast it was uh uh endless endeavors endless endeavors that's a good podcast i've actually listened to another episode since then it is good it's really good um, how do you know, how do you know those guys? Well, Greg, Greg, I, I found him on Instagram and I've been following him cause I listened to Andy Frazella. Do you guys listen to Andy Frazella at all at real AF? No, I haven't. Oh, oh you know what? I, I heard that mentioned, but no, I haven't listened to that yet. Okay. So I, that's how I found, well, I found Greg because of his viral video, found him on Instagram after I talked to, um, actually I, I listened to him on the Andy Frazella podcast and real AF. And, um, I don't know, they're just, they're, they're doing the right thing, speaking up and talking about all this crazy shit that's going on. And so I sent him a message and was like, Hey, I really love your podcast. Um, I, I might have something to contribute. So would you like to have me on? And you know how people are about naked and afraid. They're all starstruck. <laughs> right. I'm sure you've experienced I'm that. A pretty big deal, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, A-listers, I like to call us. Not. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, it's funny you bring that up because I remember, uh, and I got some shit for it, but I remember going, after my episode aired, um, I remember walking out the next day going, all right, who's going to recognize me? <laughs> yeah, no one no, <laughs> no, no one recognized me. It was weird. If you were walking around naked, they would. That They would have. They yeah. would have. Um, but yeah, so uh, so those of those listening that don't know, uh, both myself and Stacy were both on Naked and Afraid. I'm a, I'm a one-timer, so I'm small time, but, but Stacy, uh, uh, you were on two or three times? Two times. Two times. Did you make yeah. it both times? No. My first one, I didn't make it. Um, I was burned on day six, and then I stayed an, an extra two days, and that's kind of where I got the notoriety because I was all fucked up like out there. Like a sunburn? And, uh, it, like a boiling water burn. I saw that. Oh, 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 from the fire yeah. and water. Yeah, she was like yeah. laying next to the fire, and it, the boiling water that was sitting on top of it fell and went all over her. Yeah. And- Holy shit dumb move man dumbest thing but you know what it opened it up for me to come back and do xl and i did make it the 40 days on xl and i got to participate with Alyssa, which isn't Alyssa your partner yes ma'am i was gonna i was gonna ask about that i was pretty sure that you were on there with her yeah she's cool as hell man Alyssa's way cool i'm gonna try to get her on here at, at some point um 
yeah, that would be awesome. Did you? So I'm guess so. You guys got along pretty good. I'm guessing. Yeah, we did, but she doesn't put up with other people's shit. <laughs> See, I don't know I that part of her because it was just me and her, and we both fortunately just got along really well. You know. Yeah, yeah, no, she's cool. I remember that she would be like, okay, it's quiet time because people would be talking and she was kind of like uh, the mother, the You're teacher. Like play the quiet mother. game now? Yeah, Did she, it's quiet time. <laughs> when, when she was uh, needing to go find uh, moments of clarity, did she disappear by herself and sing Disney songs? Yes. <laughs> okay, she did that with me too. Yeah. Like sing it yeah, to herself? She, yeah, she'd just uh, she'd be like in Humming. the distance. <laughs> yeah. She'd be in the distance, like sitting on a rock. And yeah, I mean, granted, you know, we're a couple weeks into this thing, so she's like, you know, we're all m just miserable and just yeah. waiting for the damn thing to be over. And she's mm -hmm. uh, just off on a rock. I could see her in the distance, just rocking, rocking <laughs> in the fetal position. <laughs> and you know, when you ask her what she was doing, she was singing Disney songs to herself. Okay, whatever so. it keeps you. You know, from completely yeah. losing your mind. Well, so my thing was I would, you know, we had those little uh, diary cams, right? So I would take the little diary cam and I would, it was, I actually have some recording, but one of the the, uh, the crew members later on sent me a, a just a little snippet of, of my recordings, but I would just set the camera up or just hold it to my face and I would talk to it as long as I possibly could. I, uh, just anything that would come out of my mouth. So I would talk to it for like 45 minutes and I'd finally be like, all right, I can't think of anything else to say. And then I would turn it, turn it around and turn a little screen around and watch it. And I'd have like, it's like I'd had TV to watch for like 45 minutes. Wow. So that was my yeah, time. I think killer. that's cheating, dude. <laughs> I mean, I was watching myself. You, have, you still have your, your <laughs> technological advances there. Yeah. That's, that's not cheating. It's, it's not so fun cheating. to watch yourself. <laughs> I was just I was just admiring my rippling abs from not eating for for weeks on end. <laughs> yeah, you get all nice and brown and skinny. Yep, yeah, it's a, the, the old naked and afraid diet. You can't go wrong. Yeah, it was nice. So it, no plans to go back, huh? Uh, well, I'll be honest. I, I I'm not opposed to it. I was I had a couple opportunities, and they were life just wasn't letting them happen. So I had. Uh, one time they asked me a few years back, maybe four, four or five years ago, they asked me to go again for XL and, mm -hmm. um, I had just bought my tattoo shop. So oh, yeah. essentially body art in Marietta, California. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so I, you know, if I left for two months, it would be, it wouldn't be there when I got back. We'll put it that way. Um, so I couldn't do it then. And then a year later they asked me to do it again and my kid had just been born. So I, oh, I wasn't yeah. about to take off for a long period of time for that. So, um, but so that being said, you know, I, uh, I'm not opposed to it, but I'm not that upset that I haven't gone back because really it's just kind of miserable. You know, it's, a, it, yeah. it's not like you're getting fame and fortune out of the thing. And no, they, they were underpaid and it's, uh, it is miserable. I think the only benefit is, is it's kind of, it's enlightening and it gives you a different perspective. So when you do come home, your gratitude goes from this to this, Absolutely. you know, just having a blanket or a pillow or having a meal or a grocery store, Yeah. but it's, it's enriching. It's just, it's not, it's not I mean, it's fun if you like to torture yourself, but it's not really that much fun. <laughs> yeah, for, a, for the right person, it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, cool. Maybe I'll see you on there again. Are you going to go again? Maybe. 
Yeah. Are you, Maybe. Yeah. I, I've, yeah. I've been recently, I've talked to old EJ Snyder uh, about yeah. other things, but he's, uh, he's a cool guy. And he, I guess, he, you know, he's the one that's doing the interviews for the casting and all that stuff these days. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I feel like if I really wanted to, I could give him a call and be like, hook it up. And he would get me on there. But, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like there's other things I could do with my time that, are, that could be a little less, you know, shitty. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, I mean, there's other ways to gain notoriety. Podcasting has been great. I started my podcast, every, Fringe with Benefits, everyone. Um, that was summer of 2020. I was just pissed about everything that was going on. And I couldn't talk about it on my social media without causing huge uproar. People were getting pissed at me. They were yelling at me. I was, I've been restricted and put on, you know, in Facebook jail and now I'm, I'm, I've been permanently shadow banned. Like all my stuff is pushed lower to the feed. Um, and then it just keeps reing up, you know, I'm not allowed to go live for 60 something days. Well, every time I check it, it's now 75 days. Now it's 90 days. And I don't know what the fuck is going on, but yeah, they're still messing with me. And so I started the podcast. I'm like, well, here I can just, this is therapeutic. I'm just going to yell into the microphone about everything I'm (laughs) mad about. It's usually you by yourself, right? It is. Well, it started out me with all these weird little segments where I talk about stuff on social media. I talk about um, uh, self-improvement, all kinds of stuff, philosophy, everything. But then I started bringing in interviewees. And so I started interviewing people. So I've got some pretty cool people on there. I'll probably have Greg on sometime in the future. And usually it's the people that want to talk about the weird stuff. So I'm, I'm glad that you... Hit me up to do this because not everybody's that brave. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Yeah, like I said, I listened to a couple episodes and and it's definitely uh, it's for a, a certain person to listen to. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not for everybody. Yeah, yeah, and you you definitely have your opinions. Um, I would say that that as stern as as said opinions could be. Generally speaking, I I agree with most of the things that you say. <laughs> Look at that, like politically correct you are. Well, je- most, you know, <laughs> and, and it's not like I made notes and can remember things that I may have disagreed with. But but uh, I'm, I think we fall in line for the most part. I'm a little less vocal about my opinions on things because I I'm well, uh, making waves isn't my isn't my jam really. But you seem to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of fun. I, I don't know. I like to see people's buttholes pucker up because, you know, it just shows their the level of maturity. Like if you can't allow people to have an opinion that's completely vastly different than yours without trying to step on it or interject. I mean, what's wrong with everybody? It's That's what makes our world cool is that everybody's different and has a different stance. And that it's not cool that people would try to, you know, harm another person because they feel a different way or worshiped a different God. I mean, I, I don't know. I believe in freedom. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a yeah. weird time that we live in, you know, where, where everyone is uh, expected to comply with these, these new w- w- for, lack of better terms, the woke ideologies and, and things like that. And the, just having an opinion that, that doesn't coincide with that is this terrible thing, which is, which is crazy because usually the people that are saying that are the ones that are saying that they're, that they should have their freedom of speech and freedom of everything, unless Mm -hmm. it's against what they want you to believe in. 
right? Right. Yeah, and that's kind of where I where I came from. But but what what is um I haven't had an opportunity to listen to any of your guys' shows. I do know you never inside theory. Please give me a like a synopsis of what you guys do and what you guys like to talk about. And um, okay, so I'm I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> I've been sitting here trying. Okay, so we're only on episode four, right? So um, I have this idea in my head of. And I, and I know my partner here understands the idea as well. And I've been having this really tough time verbalizing the concept in my head. So I've, I've been sitting, sitting here trying to figure out a, um, a way to describe it. Mm-hmm. I, I even kind of want to change our intro a little bit, maybe just to, to make people understand what it's all about. But, but I've kind of jotted down some ideas, like a a thing that I might be that I'm going to still keep working on but and keep in mind we both have a little bit different take on on what we want to accomplish with this so I can I'll let you do your thing and then I could tell you how right how yeah I feel yeah. yeah which is which is the cool, cool which thing is good yeah having more than one person here because yeah. we got two brains working so um so this is this this needs some editing but the the never inside theory is the idea that getting outside is essential to living a productive and exceptional life in all aspects, literally, mentally, and metaphorically, functioning outside the social norms is the key to success. So that's kind of well. That's way fancier than the first time. Yeah. Well, I had to sit down. I love and that. Write. Never mind. I got to rewrite mine quick. <laughs> I had to sit down and rewrite it, <laughs> or actually write that's it. That's not know? fair. Dude. You didn't say we were rewriting our intro. No, it was just an idea. That's so I run a lot, and um, when I'm running, I think, and all these. Things go through my head, and it's hard for me to remember all of them by the time I'm done with my run. But uh, that was, you know, that's one of the concepts that's been going through my head a lot lately. Of like, I need to, I need to get this expressed better of like the purpose of this podcast. But anyway, that's it for, for in, in my book. Um, you can. Why don't you give your so okay. <laughs> off the cuff okay. explanation? So obviously, this is an outsiding thing, right? So I moved to California uh, about two years ago. And I never, I was, I was what you call indoorsy, right? I mean, that's, I liked mm-hmm. everything inside. And Luke was crazy about camping and stuff. So I got here, I'm just restarting my life and all these things. And he's like, let's go camping. And it was, we bought all the equipment and visited the, the outdoor store several times and got all this gear and then went out there. And I like going camping. Um, but I don't like not taking a shower. Like a shower is my favorite thing to do in the morning and the evening every single day. So that's a struggle for me to, <laughs> to not take showers. But my idea of the never inside theory is getting out of your bubble, right? Your technological bubble, your kids, your responsibilities, maybe your spouse, your job, all the, all the res- adulting that we do every day. When you go camping, you literally, um, can leave all of that behind. It's just you and the wilderness, right? And granted, you can, we have some cool fancy things that we bring with us, especially like, I like glamping, right? I like filling up the back yeah. of the truck and taking all the stuff out there that we can build fires and all the, our guns and our, our traps and our, you know, giant blow up sleeping bags and all this. So technically we're outside, but all the good stuff, but still the, the I I just can't help anybody else because I'm camping, even though you're a mile over by the lake, right? Phone still, phone still doesn't work. Phone still doesn't work. Nothing. So uh-huh. you can't be held responsible for getting anything done. So it turns all of that off, and then you're forced to kind of sit there, for if not by yourself around other, you know, a very few of you, and then 
it's it's amazing how much information is just pumped into our our heads at any given second. And when you turn that off to really listen to what's inside instead of everything that's outside, like that that influences you. Like, what is that? Who are you? What do you really like to do? And and it just kind of quiets everything now, so you can kind of just think about those things without a bunch of distractions. So getting out of the cage, going out, going outside, because that's really the only place you're going to be able to, to get to that. Then you can bring it back with you, because ultimately we go back to our lives and our responsibilities, but maybe you've found something that you really like that you didn't know that you can kind of pursue and, and include that in, mm-hmm. in your day-to-day, or something that um, has been really frustrating you, but you haven't had a chance to really spend some time on figuring that out. Hopefully you just you know realize or learn something just a little bit and you can bring that home with you. And if you do that more and more often, then you have more of a chance to do that. And um, it changed my life tremendously because I live in a completely different lifestyle than I did when I two years ago when I lived in Florida. Not necessarily bad or, or, or better, but different. And better or better? Neither no better nor badder, <laughs> but definitely more <laughs> genuine. And what I really like, just live my life the way I want to do it. And it's... Uh, for me, it was it's it w- definitely helped in my transformation to where I am now. So I, I totally. encourage people to go try to do that. You know, I love that because it's it's kind of multifaceted. Yeah. Is you have to get outside of yourself mm-hmm. and your your habits and your your normal routine in order to grow. Because I you only experience growth through some sort of discomfort, and then being outside helps us connect back to the earth mm-hmm. and to our humanity and and to what it's like to like feel alive i think we're so disconnected in so many different ways like you guys just totally hit the nail on the head and in both aspects you we don't really spend the time we need to kind of figure things out because we're so bombarded with all this information like it's constant all the time you have to use a lot of your computing power just to stay on top of it i mean you know luke and i have several different businesses that we run together and at any given time there is a text message or a whatsapp you know call or a, or an email that it requires attention and so it's just it's constant and to keep up with it is is just crazy it's crazy just, you know luke you said one thing that was like we went i think the first time we went camping we got there we took off all of our stuff we hung everything up and i'm like well, what do i do now and you said whatever you want to do dude just do whatever you <laughs> right. want to do. That was your answer. And I was like, well, that's crazy. That, that's the first time ever, but ever that I didn't have a, a to-do list that I just needed to start going down and checking off. Like, anything? And then it's, it's crazy. It was cool. Yeah, that's rad. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I think that's going to help people a lot is just even thinking about that idea and implementing that in their life and how they can do that. That's awesome. Well, I love it. Well, I appreciate you asking the question because I think it gave us an opportunity to, to – explain it a little better than we have up until this point so let's flip this around so tell me about fringe with benefits like because you you touched on that it was a controversial type thing but what's what's your what are you trying to get out of it what are you doing with it it started as kind of a therapy for myself to kind of just get my feelings out about the mandates and the loss of um bodily autonomy especially you guys are in cali so you know exactly what i'm talking about but i'm in washington it's kind of the same thing and i watching people around me losing their jobs and being coerced into getting something they weren't really sure about um 
was it was it was mind blowing for me. And then all this other strange woke ideology that kind of fell in line affected my life as well. And so I was scared to talk about some of this stuff at first, but now it's kind of a it's a free for all because I we I just have to be honest and totally transparent about how I feel about it, or it just doesn't feel right. And so that's basically what it was. And plus, my dad, my dad, the one that died right, right before my XL, my Naked and Afraid XL, he um he got me really into conspiracy theories and aliens and sci-fi and X Files. We were all into that stuff. Flat Earth and stuff. No, uh, okay. no. Like ultimate. I haven't seen. I the believe globe. the Earth is flat, but we can get into that. Do you? No, I don't. Are you a flat? Earther? I would love. I would. Definitely, I've met a flat earther. I would definitely argue that that side of it, just because there'd be a riveting conversation. Could you imagine? I mean, how much fun you could have with that? Oh, I had one. I had that conversation yeah. with a real flat earther camping, as a matter of fact. Um, and it is amazing. They actually. It, oh, it's amazing. He dude. had some serious like answers. Now, I I could find holes in just about everything, but. He had answers that I didn't expect. Where I was like, I, I could I could kind of see where you're coming from, you know. The problem was it's that, interesting. Yeah, I was really high when I was having the conversation, so, <laughs> so <laughs> well, that's the best. That's so the best I, I really wasn't on my game to really stick it to him, like you know, with the with the responses. But uh, it, that's an interesting topic. It is. I, I haven't had a flat earther on the podcast yet because I well, I don't know. I don't want to slam anyone for their idea but i personally think that that's that's a psychological operation (laughs) i think that they're they got people convinced and and then they're just making fun of them now i could be victim of this with some of the other crazy shit i believe but i don't really necessarily because it doesn't make sense like the natural world automatically forms things into a sphere yeah balls Balls, for sure the big balls bigger ball the bigger the balls and the you know more significant right i feel (laughs) typically (laughs) typically typically but but, you know they get their they get attention and 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 if you're good at it, you can get a lot of attention so even if you're just talking about whatever and then people are giving you attention then you know most people i think eat that up what about bigfoot Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm on board with it. Yeah, I I, I believe I of c- clean myself with Doctor Squash, Squash, Squatch. <laughs> Do you really? Squatch. Oh yeah, the the I've, I've seen the fairly <laughs> recently. Uh, my girlfriend's kid had a bunch of uh, got a bunch of this, you know, the Doctor Squatch uh, natural soaps. Oh right? yeah, and, yeah, I've seen it's, it. It's great, and I'm like, I felt bad for him because he doesn't use them. I was like, I'll buy them for him for ten bucks a piece, you know. And I started using it, and I tell you what, I was I was really treating myself. <laughs> that and Luke for Christmas bought uh, Michelle and I a water. I didn't get a chance to tell you this yet. The the shower head oh, that has like I was gonna ask you. five different functions. So like I'm crazy <laughs> OCD in like the shower. Droid. Like I have to make sure we hit every little place, and it's you know there's something at the beginning at the end. I've that's added to it in a huge way. So I flip it halfway through the shower for this procedure that i'm doing here and this section over here so it was a hit it was a hit dude nice, best dude. present ever best 50 bucks ever spent you should you should That's you awesome. should get yourself a, a crazy shower head it, it, it'll change your life <laughs> crazy so shower. now i got so now i got the soap the special soap the shower head it's it's fantastic <laughs> i'm gonna try the natural I, I w- deodorant from them but that we're gonna tread lightly and carefully because you don't want to be stinking just because you're trying to prove a point of natural I, i'll use all the chemicals i need to to not stink <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Someday you'll They've figure it out. They've got a brilliant marketing campaign. Oh, dude, I, I even it. watched the 
the commercials. They're good. They were talking about balls too on that one. Yeah. So yeah, it works. It's sure. good though. Yeah. I definitely recommend it. It's a, it's a highly <laughs> rated topic. So um if you don't mind me asking, so on so you're on Naked and Afraid twice. So obviously you've got some kind of connection to the outdoors and some kind of, of love for uh being outside. Um how did like what's your what's your story? How'd you end up on Naked and Afraid? Oh geez, it's kind of a sad story. I was um I I made bad decisions as a kid, hung out with the wrong people, made bad choices when it came to my boyfriends, and I ended up getting knocked up and I was a single mom and I was raising my kids on really, really low income. I had escaped Southern California, moved to Idaho, was raising them there, but poor. And so I was a bartender at this place called the River Clan Saloon. (laughs) And Discovery Channel called them up and wanted women from Idaho that would be willing to do this. And at at this point in life, I was like, oh, fuck, I've been through everything. Sorry if I'm cussing on your podcast. No, No, we encourage it. (laughs) I've been through everything. I could do this. You know, I just figured I was hard enough to at least do it. And I did feel like I had a connection to nature after moving out of the Mojave Desert to Idaho, where I'd never seen spring flowers before. I'd never seen so much water. I was really enamored and I I became like really in love with the outdoors and the feeling. There's this euphoric feeling you get when you're outside that you don't get anywhere else. Absolutely. I'm sure you probably know what I'm talking about. Yep. So I was experiencing that and I was just like, I could do this. And so when they called my bosses, because they ran a survival school out of there too, um, I was like, yeah, I can do it. And the the old guy that owns the ranch, he's an old Vietnam vet who's been through some serious shit. He's like, oh, well, you know, I'll train you up and mentor you and get you ready. And he was the one that was like, don't ever tap, make them drag you out. Don't ever leave on your own accord. And so that was kind of where I got. People loved me because I wasn't willing to leave even, even, <laughs> even if it up. meant my life. You know, you're right. half melted. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I guess it could have been worse, but that was a huge lesson, too. I'll never sleep next to the fire with a pot of boiling water on it ever again. That was a bad move. But go ahead and... I think things happen for a reason sometimes, like things like that, big lessons. So... You got, I don't are you pretty it. scarred from that, like physically? No, I have no scars. Oh, that's good. Oh, good for you. Yeah, healed up. That's cool. Uh, so, are you are you an outdoorsy type, like moving forward after that? Are you? Do you ever go camping or anything like that? Absolutely. Um, I got my wildlife biology degree, and I worked with um, fish and ungulates, or you know, elk, bighorn sheep. Nice. All kinds of stuff. I love animals. I love insects. So um, that was kind of my field of study. After Naked and Afraid, I ended up finishing my bachelor's degree. I'm in real estate now. How, who would have thought? But <laughs> right. That's where the money's at. Yeah. So yep. that's where I went. And yeah, I, I love the outdoors. I love um, just being able to you know take care of myself. And to live like our ancestors had to live for us to get here. I think that it's an important skill to have. Yeah, it is. People don't realize how tough life really is, you know. And I, I like to get out there because of that. I like to, to um, 
feel the struggle to accomplish each thing that that's typically a normal, just easy thing in life. For, I don't know why, but but I just kind of find myself doing it. You know, um, recently, like I like, so <clears throat> I quit. I, I gave up drinking about almost nine months ago, and uh, of course, my crazy brain has to take everything to the extreme. So I started exercising and stuff like that to kind of fill the void right mm -hmm. and since then you know so i started running and stuff like that i've lost 45 pounds since then and wow it, yeah it's crazy <clears throat> um but i it's this weird thing in my head where i just got to keep doing it harder you know what i mean it's go, going mm -hmm. further so you know at first i was running you know three miles every day and now i'm up to 10 miles you know and it's just like this normal thing but I, but I'm like, oh, I bet you I can do 12 today, like as I'm running, you know. So um, I definitely have to f feel that struggle. Like anything that's too easy is just too easy. Something's wrong with it, you know. Yeah, it's like the pursuit of you know accomplishment, and and you have to challenge yourself, or life isn't as enriching as it should be. Like we have to constantly be growing so does running get any easier because i'm at the beginning of my running journey and it <laughs> fucking sucks man I, I hate running and i read david goggins can't hurt me and he talks about he started running because it was the one thing he hated doing and he didn't want to do so he knew it was exactly what he needed to be doing and so i'm kind of like okay i hate running too so i'm gonna start <laughs> does it get easier it does get easier it it, it always sucks but the the suck kind of uh, it it's easier to deal with if that makes any sense. Like you just kind of get used to it. Uh, but no, yeah. it, it it most certainly gets easier. Um, you know, like I said, so I start so up until recently, I was I was doing like an average of like eight miles a day running, not every day, but like you know four to five, three to five days a week, and um, so I stepped it up to ten miles just because I'm crazy, and which means I have to wake up earlier, which sucks. But so I, now I'm leaving my house like before four o'clock to run because it takes a long time to run that far. So I got to be back and ready to get my daughter up and to go to school and stuff like that. So that's the only time it's going to happen. But um, I lost my train of thought. And there you go. Well, Luke's trying Getting to get me right. to run, but I just, there's some oh. things you, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. So I'm not, <laughs> where I'm I was not getting into it. Yeah, where I was going with that was that, so I started doing 10 miles and then, you know, so every now and then, I'll, now I'll, I won't have time to do that. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll just go do my normal eight. And I get done with that, and I feel like I ran like two miles. It's like all of a sudden, eight miles is super easy. So I, I would say try to – how far are you running right now? Well, I'm, I'm literally at one mile. <laughs> That's where I started at nine months ago. I was like, all right, I'm going to start doing this. And I was doing a mile and it was kicking my ass. It's true. And I'm trying to get under a 10 minute mile. And according to the military standards, <laughs> you're supposed to be able to do two miles in like 11 minutes. And so I'm not if you're in the air badass Force. who can't <laughs> do anything right now. <laughs> well, I cannot do that either. <laughs> if that makes you feel better. I'm a slow runner uh, for probably six out of the, the last nine months. I was running like 10 and a half minute miles. Um, okay. Now I'm down to, I would average, I would say I average nine and a half minutes. So every now and then I'm having a good That's day. Good. Yeah. Every now and then I'm having a good day and I'll hit uh, on a really good day. I'll do like an eight and a half minute mile average, but that's a really good day. Average is like nine and a half. So 
it, I wouldn't focus so much on how long it takes besides, besides, you know, being home when you need to be home to move on with your day. Mm -hmm. But, uh, it, just do the miles, you know what I mean? You'll get faster without even realizing it. Um, and if you don't, it doesn't really matter. You're still accomplishing the same thing, you know? Yeah. It feels good. Like there's a high that like no other after exercise. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best. I love it. And I love feeling yeah. healthy. I was at a point, um, like not, not, a. I wasn't like the, the alcoholic laying in the street, you know, in the corner with a bottle broken next to me, but I was drinking a lot and I was really unhealthy because of it. I mean, literally like uh -huh. I could feel my freaking liver throbbing a lot of the time and, and that's not even exaggerating. Um, yeah. so to go from that and now I'm like, is he the healthiest I've ever been. And I've worked out off and on throughout my whole life, but I've drank my whole life too. So, you know, I was, I was at one point right at the beginning of COVID, I was 205 and that doesn't sound like that much, but I'm only five, seven and I've got kind of a smaller frame. So, um, to put it in perspective right now, I'm like 149. And wow. Yeah. And I just, I just feel amazing because I'm, I'm healthy. You know, it's, it's just, everything's healthy. So it, I feel bad for people that never quite get around to, to feeling that, you know, cause there's, there's nothing like it. Like you think that, you know, coming home to relax after your day is what feels good or, you know, taking a hit off that joint or drinking that beer feels good. And they do, but they don't feel anything like just being straight up healthy. I mean, that's mm -hmm. that's the feeling right there. And, and I've felt it before, but right now I'm at the point where I feel it more than than I ever have. You know, and it's just it's a cool feeling. So I'm terrified to have another drink because I don't want to not feel this way again. Yeah, well, that's one of my conspiracies is that they want us to drink alcohol because it's slowly poisoning us and killing all of our brain cells. Yeah, we, we lose mass in our brain gray matter and white matter it i don't know how it works i don't know the mechanisms of how it destroys the brain cells but it, it does and i i like to drink too but i know that i'm healthier when i don't and i it makes me gain weight like crazy yeah, so that's the worst it's not it's not good yeah. not good at all um so i think i had a question what was you, okay, so you are still tattooing. Yes. Right? Yes, ma'am. And what's the name of your shop again? It's Essential Ink Body Art. Okay. Marietta, California. So I bought Central. that. Yeah, I bought that place. Um, shoot, it's going on six years ago. July, I'll be six years. Wow, it's been a minute now. Yeah. Yeah, I had a shop before that called Executive Ink. So, so I started tattooing just uh, as a, a hobby. I was literally like, I was 30 years old. I was at a really low point in my life. I had kind of, I was in the, uh, the real estate business as well. I was, but I was doing mortgages. This is, you know, the, the, around the time of the crash, 2008. I had wow, okay. just spent six months learning it, uh, building a pipeline. You know, I had all these deals that were about to close and I, I just went into work one day and my boss basically said, every single deal you're working on is shut down. You can't do any of them. So it was a big crash, you know, they just shut down subprime loans and that's what I was doing. Uh-huh. Um, so, so I, that mixed with, I had a couple DUIs and I was partying too much and not to mention, you know, doing some blow here and there, probably more here than there. And, 
it was just a bad time. So I ended up moving to Georgia to live with my brother. And I started tattooing just as a, it was like, we're sitting there, nothing to do. And, you know, my brother wanted some, some, <laughs> some free tattoos. So, sorry, he stepped out for a sec. That's why he's not chiming in right now. But he, <laughs> he wanted some free tattoos. And, he, and I always liked to draw growing up. And he said, hey, let's, uh, let's go halves on a cheap kit off of eBay and you can start doing some tattoos on me. I was like, all right, yeah, that sounds great. So <laughs> here I am, this idiot, not knowing what the hell I'm doing, doing tattoos. But he went to work with his new shitty tattoos. And everyone at work was like, oh, how much would he charge me for this and that? And, and it literally turned into this thing where people just kept asking me for it. For years, I was just trying to still pursue other careers. And, and after a while, it just turned into a thing where I was making more money on the side doing tattoos at night than I was at my full-time job. So... I love it. Maybe I'll ha I'll have to come down to Murrieta and come get some art done. Absolutely. Sometime. Yeah. Come yeah. come on down. So yeah. So I opened yep. a shop and had that for a few years just by myself, and then I came across an opportunity to buy this one, and uh, yeah. So so the rest is history, as they say. Now I noticed Never Inside has a website too, right? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, we got and go ahead. Well, what do you got going on over there? Is it just the podcast or you have other things happening too, right? Oh, so many things. <laughs> I mean, my, my craziness. Uh, and I always drag pound sign here along with me. <laughs> but Well, the thing that's working good is we opened up an axe throwing lounge about a year ago. Uh, the Mad Axer over in Lake Elsinore. And cool. uh, that has been the coolest it's not even really a job it's kind of a hobby that we make money at um but it is uh it's super super fun uh four of us we got uh tom and dane um and the four of us got together it was funny because uh, luke and i were working at the tattoo shop together and uh and we've you know we've tried um so many different things i mean we we sold um cell phone adapters on Amazon. We had a whole <laughs> Amazon business going for a while. Um, we did Magnetic gun mounts. Magnetic gun mounts we sold on Amazon. Well, we say sold. We set it up so they could be purchased. Not many sales uh -huh. going on, but they were for purchase at, at, at that point. Um, and then uh, we did the Next Move podcast during while we were building um, our amazon business we started pocket at the same time the step-by-step -step on doing that so number one episode was we came up with an idea to open a business and every step along the way to fruition when it was up and running we did a podcast on, on every step of the way which i thought was pretty cool except for when it was open and it really wasn't doing anything there wasn't much <laughs> else to talk about um so um Anyways, we finally got together once again after I moved to California, and we said, "All right, we're gonna let's we gotta do something." And our buddy Tom had opened a couple um, escape rooms and was doing very well at that, and they were super popular. And so we're like, "Well, let's do that." And so we called Tom and said, "Hey, uh, we want to open up an escape room. We could do it with you, or if you can just mentor us and how we want to do it." And he, I think he was saying that there was just there's just too many in the area, and he said, "But I have always thought about opening an axe throwing business." And uh, if you guys are interested, maybe we could do that. And then, um, and then uh, we're like, let's do it. You know, we started looking for properties. And then Luke has a good friend Dane that uh, asked to be part of it as well. Um, he's a woodworker by trade, so uh, we could definitely use his skills. And then um, we just made it happen. And so a year, right at a year later, um, 
we're actually doing pretty good at it and opening two more locations potentially we're looking locally for a, a smaller one that we're going to do immediately and then we're have one, a big project that's about a year and a half out so that's pretty man cool. what a brilliant idea right that's brilliant yeah, yeah I, we need one up here we, well i'll tell you what we got big plans for the mad axer uh, in my mind you know we've got some i don't want to spill all the beans but but i've got some some good uh we've got some good marketing ideas um and it shit in my in my mind it'll be the starbucks of of axe throwing we're gonna be be in yeah. every town yeah. yeah we got some really i'll cool buy a, going in. a franchise and start one up here let's do it let's do it we need one well, you're in seattle right i'm right outside of seattle i'm aberdeen where uh kurt cobain oh lived his life wow yeah it's known for homelessness and um, fentanyl. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, that's, that's crazy pretty, how that's, that, that whole yeah. thing has slipped into the mix, huh? Yeah, it's it's wild. The whole thing is just, it's crazy. It's uh, it's a damn crisis up here, but California's kind of got the same yeah. thing going on. Yeah, it's not good. Um, but to answer your question about Never Inside, so Never Inside is, I'm, <laughs> I'm the kind of guy that, that if I get an idea just goes through my head, I, I have to... If I think it could turn into something, I immediately go buy the website, <laughs> right? So, so I have <laughs> I have like twenty different website domain names. You know, I've got I've got Beard Bomb for a Bombbeard dot com. Is an example. So like if <laughs> so you, you know maybe two three years ago, um, Never Inside popped into my head as a cool you know, name for the kind of stuff I love, you know, never being inside, obviously. So I just bought the domain name and, and it's just been, had been sitting there. And then, um, pound sign here moved in, moved into town and we just wanted to, to start a new venture. So we started a website called never inside and started building a, um, you know, a list of contacting companies, asking, finding places that'll let us drop, drop ship their items and stuff like that. So we built this, this, Website, which I'm pretty proud of it, having built it myself. It's a pretty nice looking website, in my opinion. I might be a little biased, but uh, all this work, like a year worth of work, building these things, finding the products to sell, uh, you know, getting the the social media set up, trying to promote, trying to just build the social media following, just just organically, all this stuff, and. I don't know if you've ever done any kind of e-commerce or any any kind of stuff like that. You've obviously dealt with Facebook and and social media companies like that, but it's mm-hmm. it can be a nightmare. They they've shut us down basically. Google shut us down because we were selling knives. Yeah. Um, which you know, God. evil knives. I don't know how people cut their steaks anymore, but what are you gonna do? Yeah. So. I had no idea you weren't supposed to. It's not that you can't sell them; it's that you can't market them. You can't do like Google shopping ads with knives, um, or any kind of ads. So they shut us down. We tried oh. to fix it. Basically, they don't give a shit. They're not going to give us any chance to to apologize for our mistakes. And so we, I can't even market anything on there. So we've got all this great, beautiful website, and we were paying a guy to to help us market it and he got to the point where he's like i don't know what to tell you dude you're just kind of screwed uh i mean we've got the business license we've got thousands of dollars put into this thing uh we got inventory sitting in my garage of uh, you know we got like a thousand dollars worth of knives sitting in my garage bnb knives badass knives i can put them on on social media but i can't 
you know, run any ads to sell them. So, um, Mm -hmm. anyway, so we just kind of took a break from that. And then we always both, both he and I always have missed the podcast that we were doing before. And it just occurred to me one day, like, well, dude, let's just start a podcast called Never Inside to coincide with it. We can use the, the website as the platform to, to base it off of. We can drive traffic to the website for people to buy stuff. Um, I still don't think it'll probably ever turn into anything big, but I always wanted my own clothing company, too. So now we got Never Inside clothes. <laughs> <laughs> it's all together, and it's, it's satisfying all my needs to be, you know, motivational and inspirational and... and mm-hmm. Um, entrepreneurial and all the above. So there you have it. Here we are. Yeah, no, it's perfect because you could put everything under that like umbrella. Yeah. And you guys should get Greg Anderson on your show. I'm all for it. Uh, yeah, he's got a good podcast. I mean, podcast. I'll, I'd love to talk to to him. Have him on my show. I'd like to go on his show. But he- yeah, he's cool. He does um, training Northwest up here where they do um, gun training shooting tactical training and then some jujitsu and uh he's doing all kinds of stuff but and he's all over the place like it's been great yeah he, i'm really happy for him he seems like a cool guy how, how do you how did you know him are you you were just listening um to him? yeah it was i just hit him up on facebook and since he, he was a fan of the show he was like yeah i want to i want to talk to you and he wants to be on the show so maybe if you do talk to ej Say, hey, Greg Anderson needs to be on Naked and Afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that. Yeah, tell, that'd be awesome. I'll tell you what. He gets me on his show. I'll try to get him on our show, right? On, on Naked and Afraid. Yeah, yeah, for I don't sure. Know I, what? He would dig that for sure. Um, I don't know if I'd have anything it, to talk about on his show. That I'm not, I'm not that spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, you're you have some military experience. You were just saying, right? Uh, yeah, I was in the Marine Corps. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it wasn't it wasn't anything crazy. I I was kind of in between wars, ninety six to two thousand. So mm-hmm. I basically just sat at Camp Pendleton most of the time. I never even left the country, besides a no, that sucks. few crazy nights in I guess Tijuana. It's good. <laughs> what about you, Jacob? What's your what's your past and what? Uh, Air Force, Chair Force. Oh, you were the Air Force. Yeah, yeah. It was great. That's cool. (laughs) You must be smart. Like, isn't that high intellect? I don't know. I don't know. I think it just worked out that uh, that's the first place I I tried to get into. And um, I never regretted it. You know, obviously, I I know a lot of Marines, one of my good friends in Marine as well. And um, I get a lot of shit for there. But I remember when we would deploy, I was in a a condo somewhere and they were on the other side of the fence and in foxholes so i never really understood why i made the wrong decision <laughs> sounds like you so made the wrong decision. i was like I, I still don't see it so uh but no it was it was awesome it uh it took me that's how i made it to florida originally it, i joined and it took me over to eglin air force base and yeah, i was desert a few times and some different vegas and stuff for some Red flag. You did more was, stuff in the Air Force than I did in the Marines. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. We were we were all over the place. It was it was great. I worked on F-15s and and then you're right there by Panama City in Pensacola, Florida. You know, yeah, twenty two nice. years old and and in the military, zero responsibilities and can blow every last penny and you're still good. So you know, we went out and had a great time. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds righteous yeah, I don't, I, for sure. It was cool. So but you were. Have you? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, no, no, because you were going to ask me <laughs> no, something you. that was related no. to this, and I was going to go all left field. 
Uh, I kind of was too. Um, <clears throat> it, it didn't matter. I was just going to ask you, obviously you've never been in the military, right? Because it, it doesn't sound like it from, from the way you kind of no, described your past. Yeah, I wanted to. I put limitations on myself when I was younger because I had an accident when I was eight. I had a lawnmower chop my foot up pretty bad. Oh, Holy crap. Yeah, so it's it's kind of a mess. I had to have nine surgeries and they tried to reattach my big toe and then they had to amputate it and it, the bones were just shattered. And so I always thought, you know, I was never going to play sports or and I didn't actually start getting active and start exercising until after I had my son, who's he's going to be 20 next month. And um, I was like, man, I'm fat. <laughs> I was like, I'm fat. I don't want to be fat. And so I started just learning about nutrition and exercise. And then I realized, well, man, I don't really have any limitations. I I could have it a lot worse than most people. And and so I just pushed through it. And now you'd never even know that I'm missing part of my foot. But yeah, I wanted to join. I actually went and talked to a couple of recruiters in my early 30s. And at that time, their uniforms, the the branch that I went to, I have some tattoos on my neck. And they were like, they just told me no based on that. I didn't even get to the fact that I'm not a, a complete person. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm, I heard that there are some backdoor ways you can get in without having to, you know, yeah, show your deal with or being a, you know, defective or having an amputation. There are people that have been able to get in. So, yeah, I don't know. But no. I don't know what those scenarios are, but I don't know them. ROTC is from what Greg told me. <laughs> ah. We talked about it. Yeah. ROTC and going in as an officer, I guess he knows a guy that was able to bypass that. His, his foot was run over by a train as a kid, so he's missing the train part of his foot. What was that, what was that experience like? <laughs> like, first off, okay, your foot's getting run over and crushed and all that good stuff, right? So that's bad enough in itself, but it's by a train. So, I mean, what's that scenario? Like, is like. What are you doing? Yeah, standing wouldn't it on have a train? sucked you under? Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> standing on a train track. It's like, well, I've mostly made off of my foot still sitting there. And, you know, what's, is it, was it a long train? Was the train, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Was he, was it, was it just like he was stuck there and, and it's like one of these freight trains that goes for like 10 miles? Or, I mean, what are we, what are we talking about here, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the whole story. <laughs> but no, I was, I was clicked up with like gangs in Southern California and I rolled around with the punk rockers and the skinheads. And, uh, um, that's kind of how I connected with the men I was connecting with. I, I liked them criminals. I liked the criminals. bad boy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was dumber. I was dumber than a bag of hammers. <laughs> <laughs> I was stupid. And so now, you know, in my forties, I'm 42 now, 42. I'm still looking back like and i'm still dealing with the repercussions of bad decisions well now I'm, I'm raising teenagers you know and it's cool i mean my son's almost 20 but my daughter's 16 isn't it crazy and my son's 22 isn't it nuts doesn't that just blow your mind that these, it does. these adults are it's, running around and you know it's wild how fast it goes yeah yeah no doubt you know i'm a, I'm a little behind you guys i got a four four and a half year old so oh She's a pain in the ass, but she's she's fun and cute. We went to Disneyland yesterday. Ah, how fun! Yeah, it was that pretty was cool. Awesome. She's it was her first time, um, and she's a big Lightning McQueen fan. 
from cars. Really? Oh, it's like her thing. She's, she's cars, everything. She doesn't care. Like, and it doesn't have to be like the movie cars, just anything that's a car or a truck or anything like that. She just cannot, that's all she cares about. It's, it's kind of cool because I can relate. You know what I mean? Yeah. If she, if she sticks with that, I swear I'm going to have her racing cars or something like that someday. Or, That'd be cool. You know, or at least building a, cool. building a cool hot rod in the garage with her. I think that would be the shit. Yeah, I thought maybe she was into the princesses like my daughter was. You know what? I, I've tried to to present them to her. So, because I, I, after a while, it's like, oh, all we ever buy her is cars. No wonder she only likes cars. You know, so, so then I, I would like for Christmas, bring her a, a new doll or something. You know what I mean? And she just never wants anything to do with it. Just nothing to do with it. it <laughs> it's just That's awesome. It's just not her jam. But uh, I love it. Yeah, but she had a good time at at Disneyland. And uh, just a uh, heads up, any of you going to Disneyland, I hope you're rich because yeah. mm-hmm. there is just me, my wife, and my daughter, and all said and done, we easily spent $1,000 yesterday. Yeah. That's crazy. No way. Yeah. I mean, it was like, well, because, okay, they, they get you. You know, first off, it's just way more expensive than it ever was. And so then you're like, okay, well, I'm going to spend, you know, $500 or $600 or whatever it is just with a regular basic tickets. Then they give you, you have to pay for parking. Now, the way they've, have you been to Disneyland before? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I don't know how long it's been since you've been there, but now it's like, it's a totally different setup. You have to park in these parking structures or their designated parking lots, and then you have to ride the tram into the park. We have to go through all the metal detectors and all this stuff just to get on the tram to get, you know, close to the park, whatever, uh, which is all fine. But it's they they make you pay for parking on top of the tickets, which pisses me off these days. Especially, you know, hotels have done the same thing, right? Hotel, you didn't used to have to pay for parking in a hotel. You you're a customer of theirs. You get a park in there. Disneyland, you have to park in their thing, but it's not included in the ticket. So that that's a, just a ask. How much is parking? It, it wasn't crazy, especially in comparison to everything else. I think it was like. 30 bucks or something like that so it's not that's a lot for one car no it is a lot but when you put it in perspective with the rest of the day it's nothing yeah so then so last time i've been it was like 80 dollars a ticket so it's been a while i want to say it was like 150 i i I could be wrong on that it's like 150 a ticket or something like that well we did the park hopper because they got the Mm. you know disneyland and then california adventure right next to it um but anyway, so then you pay that, and then you're like, well, okay, we're gonna, we only have so, you know, we have one day here. So you don't wanna spend your entire day standing in two lines. So then you get the Genie Pass, which allows you to go on the app and they, you can say, I'm gonna be at this ride be- for during this hour at some point. So you can skip the line. So you pay like an extra 35 bucks per person. And then you can do the genie pass. You can only use it one ride at a time, but you can like jump on a, a, a ride and then immediately book the next ride and then try to find some things to do in between. So you don't have to wait, wait in any lines, except uh, <laughs> if you're going to go to any of the really hot rides, which right now is like Rise of the Resistance, you know, the Star Wars one, and of course the Cars ride. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you can't use your genie pass for those. So you got to pay an extra. For those, Jesus, if you want to pass the line, racket, so then, dude. so then, just for us to go on Rise of the Resistance without waiting in line for two hours or three hours or whatever it is, 
cost an extra 25 bucks a person. So there was 75 more bucks. And how fast did that get you there? And we were pretty much walk right on. Uh, okay. So it, yeah, it's, it sounds it's, like it's worth it. It is worth it until later on. Like right, like today, I'm looking at my <laughs> your credit money card. And I'm like, oh shit, credit card. Um, and then we did another one for the cars ride. So you know, and then you're gonna eat, of course, and every you know, mm-hmm. a balloon is twenty bucks, and then you, you know, so yeah, thousand dollars. Get ready for it if you're gonna go. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm <laughs> no. good on that too. But hey, let's look at the bright side. <laughs> I was outside all day, right? Soaking up that vitamin D. And all those other people. Were there a lot of people there? It wasn't too bad. Apparently, Wednesday is the day. It's the day to go. Cool. I mean, it was. It was. It got crowded toward the end, uh, or you know, middle of the day toward the end. But uh, is anybody wearing? Are people wearing masks still? Yeah, you get the occasional kook. <laughs> but, but but no, not really. Most people are, are. But it's not mandatory or anything like that. No, okay. no. It's finally, for the most part, back to normal when it comes to to stuff like that. That's good. That's good. That's good. Wild, wild. Well, what I was going to ask you was, um, uh, have you heard of voice to skull technology? No. Not even Air Force yet. Uh, yeah, Jacob? is it you're talking about like a hearing aid type thing where it goes on the back behind your ear? There's like a, um, like a no, microphone? okay, no, That's something different. Then. This is okay, so this is a, a technology that they say that the deep state or you know, or military industrial complex has that they are able to use using some sort of wave technology. They're allowed, they're able to put a voice into your head to tell you to go do things or to drive you crazy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I was just reading some extra stuff about this. There's actually patented um, inventions out there in which they have the technology to talk to us inside of our head. What the hell? And have you have you heard of Isaac Cappy? No, mm-hmm. it doesn't sound familiar. Mm-hmm. Oh, damn. Okay. He was Please an actor. enlighten us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of a famous actor, more of like, a, a side part guy um if you if you you won't be able to google this stuff you'd have to get on telegram or some non-censored platform to be able to see some of his videos but he said that some of the hollywood elite was trafficking and molesting and raping kids and he started making these videos and telling people that you know and dropping names of all these people that were hurting children and he ended up jumping off of a route 66 bridge in front of traffic and he was splattered all over the place and all these videos he put out he's like i'm not suicidal i'm not suicidal they're coming after me i can hear him talking to me in my head and then this woman who was his friend and was lending him support through his mental breakdown basically she actually heard something being played in her head too during this so Hmm. it's just it's something that people are starting to talk about and that's the kind of stuff I talk about on. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you for something, you know, one of your more interesting topics, but uh, yeah, that's go. one of them. There you have that's it. That's definitely. I mean, one there's no doubt is... that that's a that could that's possible, right? I mean, with the technology right. I have, that wouldn't surprise me. So, what would the reason for them be to do that? Like, like, okay, so this this particular man. So they were talking to him and, and, and all this stuff, and, and he was obviously trying to get this out to the world that this is happening to him. But what do you think they were trying to accomplish? Or, I mean, I, I don't expect that you would know, but I'm just, just curious what your thoughts are on that. I think that they were trying to drive him nuts 
to make him either kill himself or to appear psychotic so people wouldn't listen to what he had to say. And I think that another application they would use it for is um, maybe a false flag operation to get somebody to do a mass shooting hmm. so they can enact more gun legislation, more more mass shootings, the likelihood more gun legislation will will be passed. And so they do say, and they, which means the conspiracy genre, people like me, say that they use the voice to skull technology to instruct either their MK Ultra victims, which is, you know, the mind control mm -hmm. stuff, or um, just people that are just kind of off the wall already and open to suggestion to to try to give them these ideas to where maybe if they're commanded to do so, they'll actually go do something awful. Does this remember the Las Vegas shooter? Yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. Shit. They say that that might've been something similar to that. If that wasn't just a complete fed thing anyways. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's just the idea that I feel like you'd have to possible. work or hang out in the same place regularly to have this laser beam pointed at your head, you know, like, yeah, like where would, you know, you like you have a, a, a schedule that you do every day. And then, you know, like Luke and I go to the gym every morning. Right. So maybe they know that. So at the leg press, that's where the laser is pointed. <laughs> and every time I'm doing my thing, they're right. just pumping these, you know, pumping these sound waves into my brain. I do get pretty, you know, I'm pretty like ready to go afterward, motivated after the gym. So. It, that's got to be what it is. It can't be the working out because that part sucks. But I do feel good afterwards. So I don't know if they want us to feel good. But the government was, you know, pumping people full of LSD and stuff back in the day, right? That's all proven and and yeah, that's yeah. the MK Ultra stuff. Yeah, yeah. So they that's what yeah. So so if they if they had the you know the morals that allowed them to do that, then what what's different about this, right? It's just another thing that people yep. are doing. Yeah, there's yep. there's definitely no Elon Musk. I'm sure is involved some kind of way. Well, he, maybe yeah. He's he's straightforward about it. He's like, I'm building a chip that you will put in your brain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So he wants to put it in there. You know, at least he's honest. But but it, it, you know, our government is not too good to do some shit like that, right? I mean, it's it's a documented known fact. This MK Ultra thing, you know, um, it. So th this thing existed till like. The late '90s, like that that uh, that whorehouse or whatever you want to call it, that was in San Francisco, that that they were bringing the Johns in and dosing them up, and then just mm, monitoring yeah. them. Uh, that was a CIA. That was that was our government yeah. doing that. And in fact, uh, don't they say that uh, what's his name uh, Manson? He was he was involved in that. Yeah, I did hear that he was. He worked well. I don't know how he was a foster kid. I mean, if they really are trafficking kids through the family courts and through the foster care system, that would line things up perfectly for him to be a patsy for the CIA. Yeah, I mean, I sure. they, they, lots of people say they were they were the ones feeding him the acid that that he was given to all his followers and stuff like that, and and you know because it was the whole mind control thing, just like you're talking about. It was the mm -hmm. you know they were they were experimenting with the LSD to to see if they could figure out mind control, and I think that that Manson was a 
like you said, a patsy on that. He was a, a pawn they were using to to see how well they could or what they could accomplish with it. That's a weird thing, huh? It is. It's bizarre. And it's scary. And maybe that's why I really like it. <laughs> it scares the crap out of me. it could be true. <laughs> the problem is that there's all these other fringe type groups and, and people that believe stuff. Like, for instance, a friend of mine's grandfather, he's passed away now, but uh, he believed in the aliens that are living um, in the core of the earth where it's warm and there's certain entrances uh, mm -hmm. throughout the United States and other places. Um, and he believed this. I mean, full, full, he had answers for everything. And so, you know, I don't, I don't know if, if you believe in that as well, but I mean, there's, you know, there's gotta be a line that we, that we get to. <laughs> we're like, okay, all right. So I get, you know, all this other stuff, but flat earthers and stuff. I mean, where do we draw the line between crazy and no, this is, we're just, you know, our government's pulling the wool over our eyes. Like there's gotta be I guess nobody really knows, right? Unless unless you're no. unless you're in the in the know and up the the higher levels and I think what what the line is is whether or not you're disruptive in society or to your friends and family like yeah, I love mm -hmm. talking about mm -hmm. all this stuff, but I'm not going to argue at Thanksgiving with my uncle right about it. Right, right. You know, yeah. I'm willing to not talk about it if people aren't comfortable talking about it i'm not going to talk about it i'll like mary it to Kay. myself yeah, yeah. like mary yeah. Kay or those Egon. guys no <laughs> they're not allowed in my house everybody else i'm good with no i'm kidding what about so yeah what about aliens oh yeah i believe they exist and you know i am kind of one of those hollow earth people <laughs> good for you good for you um but yeah, if if there are aliens, which I believe they they're they're out there or extraterrestrials or whatever, there's going to be um, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of different species, humanoids just like us, all shapes of si and sizes, and hmm. um, I I don't narrow my thinking to like one like gray type alien or reptiles. I if if there's one, there's going to be a plethora of nice others. Word. Well, yeah, absolutely. I'm an alien guy. I, I, I like thinking about aliens. It, well, first off, it, you know, if our if we're not flat Earth, if we're not on a flat Earth, and right. there is a universe out there, it's it's got to, it's pretty much impossible in my mind that, that that there's not another planet out there that's capable of having life on it, even if it's just a microorganism, mm -hmm. right? So exactly. And, and if there is one place that has capabilities for life then just the the law of averages there's got to be probably billions well when you start looking at yeah universe numbers so obviously the james webb telescope going out i thought that was like super cool and all this new you know energy pumped into people uh looking at the universe and this the sheer size of it i mean there's just something going on out there i mean it's be yeah, it's, it's beyond beautiful. comprehension for humans that what trillions of uh, you know, light years means. I mean, even one light year is just bigger than what I think anybody really realizes, and that's how far away these things are. Yeah, yeah. I, mm -hmm. I can't even wrap my head around. It's awesome. All it's that awesome. size of everything. Yeah, I was I was looking yeah. at the moon last night um, when we were driving home from Disneyland, and it was like it was real low to the ground, so it was like humongous looking and and like all yellow looking. It was it was really cool looking. But hey, did we go to the moon? I think we've been to the moon. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But that I was, don't know. That was I think, the deal breaker I, for me. But okay, we're good. 
Okay, well, uh, wait. <laughs> it's definitely debatable. I think what they televised may have been filmed by Stanley Kubrick. I don't okay, know if they've okay. actually televised us going to the moon, but yes, I do believe that we have the technology to go there. But I mean, isn't it tr like we, there's a, a mirror on the moon that you can shoot a laser beam at to come back to you, and you can measure all that. Like what? that's a thing. Yeah. What would they? What would that'd be rad? There's a, a there's a, a big like a a mirror on like from us. Yeah, from us that we, we left there. Yeah, right. And you can shoot really? a laser from here, and it bounces off the mirror and comes back, and you can measure how quickly the light beam goes there and back, and then how far away it is, and then it's a thing. So that would mean that no shit. Yeah, yeah, for real. That would mean that when we landed, we landed right there on that part of the moon that's the closest to us. Mm, not necessarily, just as long, because, I mean, you know, you can see the whole half of the moon, so it could be anywhere in that region. Well, yeah, I guess if it's tilted the right way. Right. Now, that's all I know. I, I, I don't know anything else besides that. I've, I've, I've heard it, and I've heard it on several different shows. Uh, it was even joked around about on the sitcom I used to watch. And, uh, yeah, it's a thing. Hmm. I'd never heard yeah. of it. So, I mean, that, I mean it, to me, that's kind of a... You know, now I love like proof and stuff like so I've been a, a, a pretty strong Christian for most of my life and ju and I'm not not a Christian now and I still believe in God, but I'm questioning a lot of things as I get older and I start reading and I start watching videos, um, you know, TikTok for what it is uh, has brought ideas that I never thought about because it, you know, it it, it uh, however, reading your brain. Um, it puts cool pictures and, and videos in front of you that you never thought about. And then I got hung up on a lot of the, on space and, and galaxies mm -hmm. and, and infinities and, and mathematics and stuff like that. They're just amazing, right? So a lot of that stuff uh, really challenges a lot of stuff. Cause I believe in the Bible very closely. And so a lot of the new technology and, and discoveries challenge a lot of stuff in the Bible. So I, I'm torn and trying to figure that out. Um, and so being a hardcore Christian like I was for a long time, I was challenged a lot, right? A lot of people that's, you know, good, good friends of mine that I would, I would argue, um, 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 what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, evolution. Uh, I would argue very, yeah. very strongly against evolution. I was always a very early, early earth Christian that believed that, you know, in the six, 7,000 years as opposed to millions of years and argued that point for a long time. So, so now I'm, I'm, when you stop and say, okay, look, let's just, let's really consider what other people are saying instead of just closed-mindedly arguing beliefs just because you need to stick to it. And then you start really listening. And it's okay, you know, and you just, um, I'm not convinced that there's no God. I'm just now wondering what really is it? Is is, is it necessarily the God, the God of the Bible or is it uh, something else? Um, which is scary, fun, a little sad all at the same time. Uh, so I've been mm -hmm. putting a lot of effort into, or had been for for a while, really getting as much information as I can on that. I thought that, I think it's very interesting. So that's exciting. I think yeah, that's it's cool. a beautiful thing to be able to open your mind to it's tough, other but, uh, ideas. It is tough. Most people just can't, and they will not. Right. right. My my brain, I can't help it, but it it just it works off of logic, and so I was same upbringing as as Jacob and and. Uh, raised Christian and always believed it just just all in kind of thing until probably like late 20s is when I started questioning and now I'm just like it, it just doesn't make sense <laughs> it doesn't mm -hmm. it doesn't fall into line with like any of reality in my book it seems like a uh, well I mean I don't know how, how much we want to get into this but it, it seems like a, a bit of a um, 
Well, first off, stories, you can tell, I could tell a story right now. If someone could be listening to, to what we're talking about right now, and in a week after they've told it to someone, told about it, what they heard here, and then that person's told someone and that person's told someone, just in a week, it's going to be a different story by the time you hear it again. For sure. Right? So the idea that these stories that are in this book uh, that were written over, not, not only just how old it is, but these stories were written over like a thousand years or whatever it is from the beginning to the end of the book. And, and to the idea that, that where it's at now is exactly what happened then is logically impossible in my, in my opinion. So it, 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 I think it's more of an idea. I think it was a way to keep people in check um, because, mm -hmm. because it, and, and, and I think, I don't think it's a bad thing to be religious. I think that, that if you follow the guidelines of what, whatever your religion is, typically that makes you a better person. Well, Stacy said that when you said uh, you're sitting down at, at dinner, if you're getting into arguments over religion with your family, then and you're disrupting your your people around you, then maybe that's a bad thing, right? You know, it goes. I mean, I don't. I'm sure that wasn't the intention. If there is a God, to get into arguments with your family, you know. So as long as, like you said, as long as you're not hurting anybody, it is it kind of mm -hmm. like do do you, you know? Oh, absolutely. Enjoy what and then figure out what you want to be. But when you start interrupting other people's lives, that's a problem, I think. Totally. I'm, I'm actually, I believe in God. I believe in probably a more metaphysical concept mm -hmm. of God and in, in which he's everything inside of us and everywhere all at once, like in the ether inside of all physical objects. I'm actually reading um, the complete works of Neville Goddard right now. And he's a um, Christian mystic and he interprets the Bible in a way that tries to open our eyes that our consciousness and our subconscious are um the masculine and the the feminine aspects of the whole but that we are we're all god and we are um able to manifest our reality like the whole secret weirdness mm -hmm. um that's kind of kind of where i'm at i don't i've been christian i think if, if i'm closest to anything i think it would be more of a christian which is weird for me to say, <laughs> but I mean, I love, I love them all. I think they all have elements of being right and wrong all at the same time. Cause we screw everything up because we're so imperfect. Well, um, if, if there truly is a God and there's, and there's something that's uh, beyond us, we can't comprehend that, right? Our brains can't wrap our heads around it. So we're doing the very best we can to understand it, you know? And, totally. and so, and so when you're, when you don't have that, you can't process that knowledge or you can't reach that knowledge. I mean, you're going to do the best. And like dogs, I'm sure, you know, they look at us and maybe try to figure out what the hell is we're doing, you know, but they just, they can't, they can't do it. So they do the best they can to listen and, you know, they just want to get, they, they just want, want love, right? Yeah. Food and love. Want. Yeah. Isn't that They're what we perfect. all want? Food and love. That's right. <laughs> I, well, I love where this conversation went, and I think we should do it again. Absolutely, sometime. Absolutely, I'm all for I think it. there's a lot more stuff to talk about. For sure, out there. I like outside and stuff, but um, your podcast sounds very interesting. So I think I'm going to go listen to that. I love thought, you know, challenges, thought provoking, and thought provoking mm -hmm. situations and exercises and stuff. That's that's super cool to me. 
Well, maybe next time I'll bring uh, my book of ethical dilemmas and we'll run through some of those and give our insight into what the right thing would be to do. There you go. That's ethical always fun. Dilemmas. There's a game yeah. called, uh, never mind. I can't remember. I don't know no, enough about it, but where do you have to choose one or the other, you know, and they're both like, oh, like, terrible. would you rather? Yeah. Would you rather? That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. And, um, yeah. so that's a good game too. That's a good drinking game. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> um, I love it. So are you, uh, we can probably start getting this thing wrapped up if you want. Are you, uh, have you ever been backpacking? No, never like a legit long-term backpacking, like a day trip. Yeah, but I, I would like to experience some like real like mountaineering, doing a real trip that's overnight. But, you know, with kids. Yeah, it's hard. And dogs. You just yeah. can't really get away sometimes. So, well, no, but I'd love to. Well, if you, I, I've been throwing this, this extending this in, invitation out uh, to everyone. But if you're uh, looking for something to do in August, we're going to do a four or five day backpacking trip. Um, it's going to be in the Sierras somewhere. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. I already decided where. It's going to be in Tahoe, which is cool. I used to, cool. Uh, yeah, I lived in Tahoe for like a year, but there's, a, there's some pretty cool, there's, I mean, there's lakes everywhere and it's all mountains. And yeah, it's going to be cool. So, um, Anyway, if you're uh, looking for something to do, you're welcome to come along. And I have another female that uh, she's actually my CPA, Nicole. Shout out, um, elite, hey, Nicole. elite tax partners <laughs> in Temecula. Yeah, uh, she's uh, she wants to go, but she also doesn't want to be the only girl. So yeah. Um, anyway, if you uh, ever decide you want to go, let me know. I'll let her know, and then maybe she'll actually go. Yeah, yeah. Gonna be fun. yeah, for sure. I'll put it out there into the universe. That's right. <laughs> put it out there. Absolutely. Cool. Well, it was great chatting with you guys. Thanks for being on Fringe with Benefits. And I can't wait to uh, see your show. More more uh, episodes. Yeah, no, it's more. exciting. Um, and thanks for joining us. It, it gave us uh, a cool thing to talk about today, for sure. Sweet. Yeah, it's good. Thanks, good guys. finally meeting you in person. And thank you for contributing to the Never Inside Theory. Um, we'll chat soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Stacy. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Inward Survival School of Magic has got some positive reinforcement for you after all this negativity. <laughs> well, actually, it's not super positive. It's all about the neuroscience behind the impact of narcissism, narcissistic abuse on the brain. So according to studies, this is going to blow your mind, neuroscientists have discovered that long-term narcissistic abuse can lead to actual brain damage. Consistent emotional trauma over a long period of time can cause victims to develop both PTSD and CPTSD. This is why anyone in a destructive relationship should um, probably leave immediately, especially when there's kids involved. Some people do not take this warning seriously or they're unable to leave. And But what many fail to realize is that emotional and psychological distress is only one side of the coin that victims of long-term narcissistic abuse experience. The physical aspect is big. Suffering consistent emotional abuse, victims experience a shrinking of the hippocampus and a swelling of the amygdala. Both of these have devastating effects. The hippocampus is crucial in learning and developing memories, while the amygdala is where negative emotions like shame, guilt, fear, and envy live. 
One of the most important functions of the hippocampus is responsible for our short-term memory, which is the first step in learning. Information is stored in the short-term memory before it can be converted into permanent memory, and without short-term memory, there can be no learning. Any damage to the hippocampus is a lot more disturbing than scientists initially thought. A study from Stanford University and, and the University of New Orleans, they found that there was a strict correlation between high levels of cortisol, which is the stress hormone, and decreased volume in the hippocampus. So the more stressed you are, the smaller your hippocampus became. When triggered, the amygdala is where the fight or flight response is made. Now, victims of narcissists stay in a victim or they stay in the fight or flight response when they're under duress like that. These victims will fall into a permanent state of anxiety or fear, and this is the amygdala reacting to the slightest signs of abuse. Long after the victim has escaped the relationship, they will continue to live with these symptoms. Increased phobias, panic attacks, and this is all due to an enlarged amygdala because, you know, I'm, I'm a... I've lived through this. You become used to living in this state of fear, fight or flight, stress. And to protect ourselves from re this reality, victims will cope to use reality bending defense mechanisms that make it easier to cope, such as projections, projection, that we convince ourselves that the abuser has positive traits and his intentions are good. And in reality, this really isn't the case. We also will compartmentalize when victims will focus on the positive parts of the relationship, separating them from the abusive parts, thus ignoring them. And then denial. Victims, and I hate calling them victims, but these are the, the abused, will end up believing that their situation is not as bad as they um, previously thought, and it's easier to live with rather than confront it. I, have, I know all about this. The hippocampus is perhaps the most crucial part of the brain when it comes to knowledge and function. Everything we do, understand, read, and learn rests solely on the hippocampus functioning properly. And this is because it's involved in the formation of new memories. But when it's damaged, the body releases cortisol, the hormone released during the times of stress. Cortisol will effectively attack neurons in the hippocampus, causing it to shrink. And then the amygdala is stimulated by the cortisol, which turns our thoughts and neural activity from increasing our mental acuity to worried and worries and stress. When these emotions are pushed to the extreme, our brain is actively pushed beyond its zones of effectiveness. Extended durations of average stress can just be as damaging, if not worse, than the short-term extreme stress. Certain methods like eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy People will exhibit signs of PTSD. They can regrow 6% of their hippocampus in just a few sessions. So there are things that people can do. Eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing therapy, they also call EMDR. It can calm the amygdala while growing your hippocampus, allowing your brain to react more rationally to situations. So a lot of people that have been abused, and I have experienced this myself, they cannot think clearly in stressful situations and it makes it really difficult in following relationships after being with an abuser because you have a difficult time not only with your short-term memory but with communication. There are other proven methods including aromatherapy, essential oils, guided meditation, acts of altruism, emotional freedom technique, EFT, 
which is used for normalizing biochemical short-circuiting, which is usually observed in chronic anxiety. The first step is ultimately the most important, getting out of the relationship. And before any progress can be made towards recovery, the person who's being abused must acknowledge the situation and accept this reality. We tend to protect our partners out of love and hope that their behavior can change, even if it means sacrificing our own happiness and self-worth. Narcissistic abuse is probably one of the most difficult to deal with because it's so psychological. It's not just about anger or other emotions, it's about power. And this abuse can manifest physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, financially, and even sexually. And in many cases, the victim isn't even fully aware of the abusive dynamic of the relationship. And this is because narcissists understand the art of manipulation more than most people and can convince even the most abused partners that the fault of every fight is on their hands. We need to stop enabling the behavior by using these common mistakes that most people use when dealing with narcissists. First, stop blaming yourself. Next, we might threaten our partner. This backfires, don't threaten them. Trying to be understood. A narcissist is gonna spin it, they're gonna gaslight. They, these people, they understand you, they just don't, they don't give a shit. So stop trying to make them understand. Another mistake is we withdraw or we give up. This is not gonna save us from the situation. Especially, you know, disconnecting yourself from family and friends that care about you because you just cannot tell them that your partner is being the way that they're being. It's embarrassing. And it's really hard to tell people that love you that you're being treated this way. And so oftentimes you'll withdraw, don't do that. And then last, the biggest, one of the biggest mistakes is being in denial. Stop excusing abusive behavior of your partner. Uh, I understand that love and loyalty are important, but these people do not deserve our love and loyalty. The next thing you can do to start fixing this situation, of course, you're first going to try to separate yourself, but first you want to educate Narcissists often don't understand what they're doing because it's been naturally honed their entire life. According to Darlene Lancer from Psychology Today, you might be able to educate them. Teach them in a way you would teach a child by being direct and explaining the consequences of their behavior. Set some boundaries. People are going to, you know, these narcissists are going to push you to see how far you're going to let them. And it's, uh, it's about power. So talk to your partner. If you can, tell them what your boundaries are. They're gonna try to cross it and they're gonna watch what you're gonna do. If you respect your own boundaries and hold them up, they'll learn to respect you. If you don't, it's just gonna get worse. So Carol McBride, PhD from the Huffington Post says, the key to setting boundaries with a narcissist is to stick with them. You will want to communicate clearly and directly each time. If you make a mistake, and find that you lose it or say something wrong, just keep practicing and be accountable for your behavior. Keep your own side of the street clean. Next is assert yourself. According to Darlene Lancer again, you need to fight against their power and assert your own area and needs. So verbal put downs that demand respect and push your mind to the forefront, such as, I won't talk to you if you, I don't agree with you. What did you say to me? Stop it or I will leave. Being with a narcissist is a constant power play, and if you give up your power, you give up all your own freedom in the relationship. 
Next is confront it face first. Do not run away from it. You think you're saving yourself from a bad night, but they're just going to see it as another win. Stand up, look them in the eye, and speak up. Now, quick disclaimer as I'm going through these, I've been in some pretty abusive relationships. Asserting yourself and confronting them face on can be dangerous. Make sure they're not under the influence or... I mean, there's certain things you kind of have to walk on eggshells in some situations because you don't want to get your ass beat, you know, so... If it's that bad, I suggest finding some help. But confronting it face first, stand up, look them in the eye, and speak up. Show them they can't drown you out with shouting and bullying. Darlene Lancer again says that it doesn't mean to fight and argue, but it means standing your ground and speaking up for yourself clearly and calmly and having boundaries to protect your mind, emotions, and body. And then worsen your consequences. After you've set these boundaries and you've been assertive and they keep crossing it, Stick to the consequences. Consequences start to matter when things start affecting them personally. PhD Timothy Legg said, why would the consequences matter to them? Because someone with a narcissistic personality typically starts to pay attention when things start affecting them personally. Make sure it's not an idle threat. Carry out the consequences. Strategize is the next one. You're in a constant war for power until one of you wins when you're in this kind of relationship. To beat them, you have to understand how they think, and every interaction is another battle for power. Lancer says it's important to understand your limits, their limits, and make the most out of any interaction. Know what you want specifically, what they want, and what your limits are, and where you have the power in the relationship. And then know when enough is enough. It's best to know when it's time to quit. Of course, your partner is going to do everything to convince you that you're, you're not done, If you need support, seek therapy, figure out how to move forward without the partner involved. You do not need to stick it out with them. It's your life. Don't waste it. They don't own you. Licensed clinical psychologist Diane Grand, PhD, says a narcissist will only change if it serves his or her purposes. So save yourself the trouble and prioritize your own happiness and sanity. In many cases, you might not have a choice. So when you do, get out now. I think that's really important. A lot of us get wrapped up in relationships, whether it's with a friend or a romantic partner, that they're just not reasonable. They don't listen. They're abusive in more ways than one. They will try to smut you up. Just don't be afraid. Do what's right for you and protect yourself. And if you have kids, then most importantly, protect your kids from this type of abuse because it will carry on with them for the rest of their lives if you don't do something about it now. Our Stoic of the Week is Victor Frankl. And just like last week, we're going to go ahead and do one long quote instead of several. So let's give it a go. Victor Frankl said, Mental health is based on a certain degree of tension. The tension between what one has already achieved and what one still ought to accomplish. Or the gap between what one is and what one should become. Such a tension is inherent in the human being and therefore is indispensable to mental well-being. We should not then be hesitant about challenging man with a potential meaning for him to fulfill. It is only thus that we evoke his will to meaning it from its state of latency. 
I consider it a dangerous misconception of mental hygiene to assume that what man needs in his first place is equilibrium, or as it is called in biology, homeostasis, i.e. a tensionless state. What man actually needs is not a tensionless state, but rather the striving and struggling for a worthwhile goal, a freely chosen task. What he needs is not the discharge of tension at any cost, but the call of a potential meaning waiting to be fulfilled by him. Have a great week. Do not be in a tensionless state. <laughs>